short as usual. Out of and welcome to the Out of Practice podcast working episode by episode through David E. Kelly's Emmy Award winning show, The Practice. We just had a lovely Labor Day weekend and somebody is back from Greenland. How's it going? Oh, man, the Jet Setter has returned to the good old USA and back to the grind by debuting an episode hours and hours late. Hours? Hours and hours? Well, did you jet set? Didn't you ship set? Oh, uh, they included a couple of uh, jets. In fact, it's funny, where we where we departed from, we actually, uh, it was only about two hours away, but it took us three flights because that's how Air Canada works. Thank you, Air Canada. And okay. uh, you made it a whole day of traveling, what could have been three hours, but you know, is, <laughs> is what it is. Greenland was brief. Uh, I spent actually most of my time in Canada, Quebec, Montreal, and a couple of other places around Newfoundland. So uh, it was a fun 10 days. I imagine it was, although, you know, can you really blame Air Canada or do you blame the cheap company that you were working for? Well, uh, our flights are actually booked through the cruise line, which is a really fancy cruise line. I don't think I should say oh. the name. So, but you'd think we'd have got taken better care of. But you know, it's all good. No, I mean, you know, in our theater business, a uh, theater or the company manager, if it's ten dollars cheaper to you know route you through Toronto than Dallas on your way to New Jersey, they will definitely do it. Uh, Air Canada actually at LGA was also a shit show because. There was literally, I'll make this story brief. There was three, uh, you know, shoots you can go down, the normal... Uh, there are slides? That sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, the like third class passenger uh, tier where it's like right. fend for sure. yourself, cannibals, people with like 87 pieces of luggage lying out the door. And then there's right, priority. Right. And then there's Yeah, exactly. And then there's high priority. Well, there was only one person working the third class steerage passenger line. And two people working each of the priority and high priority line. But literally, Keith, no exaggeration, no one was in, nobody paid for Air Canada high priority. So (laughs) there was a thousand people in this line. I was there because it was international flight and my boss asked me to be there. I was three hours early to LaGuardia. Oh my God. Which is 10 minutes from my house. So it was really- I've literally walked home from LaGuardia. Yeah. It is a dumb idea to get there three hours early. But guess what? I stood in the Air Canada steerage line for an hour and a half. Oh my God. And it didn't move once. So people started to riot as they tend to do. 
Yeah. So I just walk over to high priority and I say, hey, could you help out? And he said, are you high priority? And I said, no. And he said, I can't help you. And Keith, something snapped inside of me. <laughs> and I couldn't come up with like a good argument. So I just kept saying, how are you going to con uh, compensate me? And he goes, I'm not going to compensate you. I said, can you guarantee I'll make my flight? I was here three hours early. He said, I can't guarantee it. So I just started shouting, how am I going to be compensated? How am I going to be compensated? I just kept shouting it <laughs> like a, a crazed man with Tourette's, like that wonderful portrayal we saw a few episodes back on the practice. Yeah, great. And, and did it work or did you just feel better? Damn straight it worked. He said, let me see your passport. And he shuffled me right through. But <laughs> not to be outdone. The second he let me through, I turned around, looked at the crazed third-class passenger line, and said, He let me in! To which an <laughs> onslaught an onslaught began, and I just went through security and left it be. So who knows how LaGuardia... LaGuardia may be destroyed right now for all <laughs> I know. It may be in flames. <laughs> yeah. Look out my window. <laughs> so uh, if you are about to fly Air Canada, I suggest you look for an alternative. Oh my goodness. Well, that was exciting. Yeah, I mean, I think you learned from the show that being an asshole gets you your way. Squeaky wheel. Squeaky wheel. And if you murder people, you get away with it. Absolutely. Well, we're about to find that out, but we have a whole bunch of stuff to get through today. It's going to be a very exciting episode. But first off, we need to do... Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. I hear through the woodwork that we have heard from our good friend Tom Brady, but I have some I have a I have a filing going the other way to do today. Okay, let's talk about it. And that is I would like to uh say thank you to the practice Facebook page or, yeah. or one of them. It looks like the most official. Uh gave us a shout out and uh definitely spiked our listenership. So very much appreciate it. Thank you, whoever runs the Facebook practice page. Uh, if you want to reach out and uh, chat with us, I'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, so anyway, thank you. Like, are you saying just like in the hip hop world, you want to do a sweet, sweet collab with the out of with the practice Facebook page? Sure, absolutely, a sweet, sweet anything. <laughs> Let's get that collab going. Okay, great. So, <laughs> moving on, we heard from our friend Tom Brady. Do you have the email? Uh, I do. I do, in fact. Uh, okay. So we actually, we've yet to air two of Tom's uh, emails. So since we did a double dip last week, I think our our airing time or recording time didn't quite sync up with his emails. So he Tom got a little mad. Understandably. And he said, well, since you ignored my last email, I just had oh, to go no. out and get my own trophy, uh, which includes a picture of Tom and his multiple Lombardi trophies. It, um, didn't we address this last episode? We might have. He he did put in the postscript. Just kidding. I still want my oopsie. Okay, fair. Um, you're right. We did. We did address that. I'm I'm scrolling poorly on Gmail. Oh wait, no, 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 no. It's time. Damn it. We should. Oh, wrong one. I want to do the right email, but I just got home, so I'm a little stupid. Maybe I'm stoned on a better podcast. Oh, that was <laughs> terrible. I got excited about rhyming stoned with home, but then I just got all behind. That was terrible. Yeah, well, I have only one thing to say about that. Oh, no. Comedian? <laughs> you smug son of a bitch. You were so excited to do that. 
One more time. <laughs> Comedian. <laughs> I scrubbed it from the pilot. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So we awarded John Larroquette our best uh, co-star. Best like, guest actor. Best that's guest right. actor last week. And Tom wrote in quite upset. And Understandably, he said, sure. While it might be true that John Larroquette is the better actor, I hear that guy cannot take a hit at all. Um, to which he put a funny picture in here, which I Gmail won't let me look at, so I can't remember. It was funny. Do you remember? It was Tom Brady getting his ass clocked and his <laughs> helmet flying off. Uh, well, which happens when you go all total vegan and you have no muscle mass or, or body fat. But Oh, shots fired. Sorry, come, what are you going to do, Tom? What are you going to do, Tom Brady? Win another <laughs> yep. Lombardi? Yeah, bring it, vegans. But then we get a little bit of insight on the political leanings of Tom Brady here. We know we do know he's a Trump uh, friend. Uh, we've seen them together. We've seen them have each other's Tom backs. is, right, sure, sure. They've padded bottoms before. Uh, it was also fun hearing you and your co-host, two soft city liberals, struggling with the phrase, get a beat on something. Have either of you ever actually gone outside, ever? Okay, well, wait, wait, let wait, me wait, wait, this. wait, oh, okay. can't address right, it right. because before you get the chance to address it, Tom says, wait, wait, please retract that last remark as you continue considering me for your next whoopsie awarding, which is also <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> he says, yours in Tom, John 2027. Now, Keith, in this instance, I am the better podcast Ooh. because I looked up John 2027. Mm-hmm. Then he said to Thomas, is John Madden running in the 27? No, no, no. This is, I believe, oh. a biblical verse. Oh, okay. Um, right. Then he said unto Thomas, which is hysterical because Tom, Thomas, so right. this is a deep cut. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Is that a, like a pull my finger joke? It's a put. It's, it reminds me of an Avenue Q joke, which says, you can't put your finger there. Put your well, finger there! Well, that was offensive. <laughs> we apologize. Uh, I, you know, I, I realize that something else, you bring up veganism. Right. Uh, my father-in-law had the best line uh, this week while we were down at the beach. Um, we were just talking about uh, a, a friend of the family, and somebody asked, like, wait, what disease did she have? Or what affliction? He's like, veganism. Whoa. <laughs> That's funny. It is funny. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, oh, my God. We are so off the rails already. Anyway, to address uh, Tom Brady, even though retracted, soft city liberals, guilty as charged. That's true. Doesn't make 100%. us wrong. Doesn't make us wrong. It 100% guilty as charged. However, I have indeed been in the woods. I grew up in the woods, as you've heard ad nauseum, uh, with the uh, this day in the basement. I actually, my family lived so far into the woods, we were on a dirt road with no cable and 65 acres of forest. So there, I know the woods. As far as guns go, my brothers, my brother-in-laws are hunters. But they ain't no bitch gun hunters. They are rugged bow hunters, man. They earned it. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what point we're trying to prove. Yes, we're soft city liberals. Guilty, as Keith said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The truth is the truth. Well, here's the thing, Tom. Stick around. Stick around. Okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to come back to you. 
Now, we also, we also have some more things. We have more people to add to the jury. Wow. If that you is would big. believe it. And it's, and I think they deserve this. Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury. Wow. <laughs> oh, crap. I had to pull out to go to the, uh, uh, all right, we're going to play it again. Mr. Foreman, the jury I had has to, uh, reached its Go verdict. to iTunes. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury. What say you? Ladies and gentlemen, over the break, Keith did some heavy work. He learned how to do a Motown bass uh, riff. He did a whole <laughs> bunch of sampling. And I simply ate free pata crims nonstop for 10 days. Okay, well, I mean, to be fair... Uh, no, I didn't do a lot of work. I did a lot of work in the last 20 minutes because <laughs> that's how I work. Now, we have two new members of the jury signing on this week. Uh, please get information. Says, I love Bobby Donald. I'm re-watching the show now about to start season eight. Happy to have found the podcast. Well, we're happy you found us, too. Look forward to season eight in about 2037. <laughs> I was going to say that. Well, if you're willing to just hold out for about six years, we will be with you. <laughs> well, welcome to the jury. And also on the jury is Specs Fan 666 Our first who's Satan worshiper. Our first... <laughs> first. Yeah, right. Who says... Hooked from the theme song. I've never even watched the practice, and I was in on this podcast from its amazing theme song on. Crazy fun, high energy. Love it. Well, thank you, SpexFan666, and welcome to the jury. Oh, I thought you were going to play the bumper again. That no, sounded like... I, you, I know, it sounded like you were teeing it up. I was like, and welcome to the... Jury. jury i only have to kick back in response and say that have you dear specs fan 666 or devil 66 whatever your name is thank you for listening though have you actually listened because you lost me at high energy <laughs> uh, that's true i have to do some forensic work to find out whether these are real you know, speaking of waiting i have to say this i'm gonna just announce it publicly i think i'm headed straight for a divorce because my, I went away and I went, I got like two or three weeks behind on The Handmaid's Tale that I'm watching right. with my wife. And she said, okay, I'll wait for you. And I hear her in the other room while I'm recording this podcast watching this week's episode of Handmaid's Tale. Full on, not waiting for you, clearly cheating on you. That is some bull With Hulu. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she could be watching The Practice. Actually, more concerning, we're about to watch a show on Hulu. Can I be watching two concurrent streams? We are about to find out. God damn Stay it. tuned. Will we be able to watch the episode? Will they stay married? Let's <laughs> find out. All right. Now, is that everybody we have on the new, on the jury this week? That is everybody we have on the jury this week. If you would like to join the jury, leave us a rating and review. A review is super helpful on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you happen to be on the practice subreddit, let us know if we should perhaps somehow can we get like a how does that work? Do you know Reddit enough, Keith? Can do we need our own subreddit or can we just like piggyback on the practice subreddit? I want to 
keep a co- cohesive community, and I I don't know how to go about doing it. I think we might need our own sub subreddit. Mm. So so we can uh, we can tweet out into the void just like we do on the uh, podcast. I know you're doing such such great job on on Instagram uh, and on the blog. Do you want to pimp the blog? Oh well, you know, yeah, we'll talk about the uh, the blog on the Out of Practice Podcast as well as our Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast, where we are now posting the winners of the Oopsies every week. You can get a screenshot of the actor or character who has won their Oopsie right there on your phone on your computer. Isn't your life just a little better for having that? Keith designed an incredible oopsie actual trophy proper. If anyone out there listening happens to have access to a 3D printer, we would love to actually print one of these up to have. Uh, so <laughs> reach out, out of practice podcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. And we will, uh, we will thank you. We won't help you pay for it. Uh, no, but we will give you an oopsie, which you'll have to print yourself. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. It's true. Okay. Oh, it is finally... Finally, time for me to find the cue. There it is. This day in the basement. Okay, this might be the longest episode we ever do. That's okay. We've got listeners now. We do, and we're going to punish them for (laughs) listening (laughs) by by talking for 18 minutes before we even get into talking about ourselves. All right. All right. So this episode took place on March 16th, 1998, Monday night. What were you doing? Keith, I'll never forget March 16th, 1998. Ooh, Actually, really? well, I don't know which date exactly it was, but I'm, I'm 90% confident it was in March. I definitely know it was 98. Okay. Every year, I've talked about the band I was in in high school on a few occasions. I think we actually listened to a clip at one point. We sure did. Well, you know, it was always sort of like, though ska was big in the 90s there, it was, uh, you know, it was still sort of a niche market, at least in my school. So we weren't getting the sort of street cred that was really, we really deserved. There's a lot of bands in the school, okay? There's a lot <laughs> the of bands street, in the school. Street cred? Well. Oh, oh within your school. Within, okay. within okay, our school. Great. Actually, outside of it, in their community and in Philadelphia proper, we were kind of a hit. Anyway. Yeah, that's fair enough. Anyway, uh. Our school, our high school every year, did this thing called Cultural Day. I'm not sure if this would even hold up, <laughs> or it would get all kinds of flack, probably. But what they would do is the different language arts... Sounds te- like a Michael Scott Cultural Day yes. coming. All the language arts teams would, or classes, would like cook up uh, certain cuisines and have different displays. And it would be a celebration of the four languages that were taught at our school. So it was hardly... Multicultural. It was more quad cultural. It was Spanish, German, French, and I forget what the other one was. That might be it, actually. It might have been tricultural. Latin. Latin. So by cultural, they meant uh, meant European. It's sort of like Trump means good immigrants. Just like everything else that happens in high school, it was basically a day where we didn't have to do shit and we could just eat food and screw around. Well, anyway, the main, uh, th- th- all of the like festivities happening throughout the school were supposed to culminate in a school-wide assembly. So 3,000 of our students would all get together. And the pu- and the speaker for the event was uh, none other than Vi Sekahema. No kidding! <laughs> yeah, who was like a... Was a, a wide returner, kick running returner, back for the uh, running back, the Eagles. Occasional wide out on certain plays. And he was going to speak on, I guess, cultural diversity stuff. <laughs> 
Um, Diversity like British and French. Yeah. He went on to be, also I should mention, Vi went on to be the sports uh, anchor for the Channel 6 News in Philadelphia. Oh, I've seen him. So, anywho, long story short, he was supposed to speak, I think, at like uh, one one thirty for an hour because school was out at 2.30. And long story short, Vi Sekahema, something happened and he could not show up. Was he Sekahema? I'll wait while you find those booze. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, I I've just gotta I've gotta dig in here. Uh, let me see where is. It? Oh, there it is. Comedian. No, that's bu- so that's some bullshit. You earned those booze, and we're gonna wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So, Vi didn't se- didn't didn't show up, and uh, what ended up happening was the jazz band director ran to like our drummer who was in the jazz band also and was like hey we don't know what else to do will you guys play a set so somehow we got asked by the school to play an hour-long set in front of the entire faculty and staff of our school no shit and we were pretty tight at this time because we had been gigging for like over two years and uh so we did and we blew the roof off the place keith so from this point march of my junior year in high school through through the when i graduated my senior year I became cool, something I had never been no in the kidding. entirety of my high school career. And uh, it was short-lived. The second high school ended, I was no longer cool and haven't been since. But but you have that moment. You, it, like that's, that's a moment out of like a movie is like Mr. Indeglio's opus right there. It, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was, Keith. It was Mr. Of course, I was dressed like an asshole. I think I had an oversized suit on and per- perhaps pajama pants because that's how we rolled. But... Uh, I'll never forget it. That was like my one of the peaks of my adolescence. Ah, oh, I wish that was got recorded. It definitely it, it if it is, it's on Betamax somewhere at the school channel. Betamax. Anyway, awesome. what uh, a good experience. A few hundred miles north there in the Vermont state of in the state of Vermont, all the trees had been desapped and what was you and your family doing? Desapped. Well, this was the week that I uh for the for the final time, participated in the New England Music Festival, Ooh. which was a, a high school chorus band and orchestra festival, um, sort of like they had all states and then all New England's was like the whole New England area. And uh, yeah, so I was uh, singing in that, singing in the chorus. And uh, I what I have here, I've pulled something up. I don't know if this is my year. It might be because we did sing this song uh, in the chorus. So, it, or I bet they probably repeated it. Who the hell knows? It's undated. It, people are way too small to be me, but it does look like it was on VHS. Okay. So, this is the New England Music Festival 1998, maybe? Chorus singing The Battle of Jericho. Really, really fun. Uh, the at the all the other music festivals, we had district, we had all states, and then all New England. It was really, really fun to hang out with other nerds who didn't want to beat me up. I don't know that I'll ever recover from that descant there. <laughs> it's really up there. As was was that you, Keith? 
Yeah, I, I figured that question was coming. No, that was not. That was not me. No, okay. I didn't have my second puberty till after college. I'll uh, I'll allow it. Okay, you know what? It's finally time for twenty five minutes into the podcast is to talk about this episode and what was going on in the world on March sixteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, talk about something while I bring up, bring up our number one song. Well, the number one song in March of 1998, you can probably imagine, uh, might have been related to the movie that was still top the charts. Of course, neither of those things might be accurate, as I don't know. No. no. Well, it, I tell you, it, what it wasn't was an ad for Target. <laughs> what is, to be honest? What if it were? Didn't Oh! Don't forget, we have moved on from Titanic. We are getting jiggy with it. By Will Smith for the second week in a row. But we were still watching Titanic. Again, for the 14th week in a row. Keith, can I tell you what sort of kismet? Do, do on, tell. On this cruise that I was between Newfoundland and the coast of the... Uh, somewhere in the off the coast of Newfoundland. We actually cruised over the disaster site of the Titanic. No kidding. All of the threads of my life all intersected, and uh, hundreds, thousands of feet below was the the ship that that let us meet one another. Look at that. The, your entire left life coalesced into this one moment, and it was mediocre. <laughs> Less than mediocre. <laughs> Well, on the cover of the Burlington Free Press was the t- was the headline Willie Clinton is lying. Now this or Willie or Wiley, I'm not entirely sure. Too well, so I'm assuming Willie, who was a 60 Minutes producer who accused Bill Clinton of assault. Yikes! Because hmm. we didn't. We're like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Now that probably would be handled a little different. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. So. Is it finally time to hit this episode? I think we should do it, Keith. All right. Well, Joey Herrick continues. It's time. This episode was written by series creator David E. Kelly, who must have been on a lot of coke to write this amount of episodes in a row. And it was directed by none other than Adam Nimoy, who Star Trek nerds would know is Leonard Nimoy's son. Wow. Who also directed a bunch of other TV stuff, including uh, Bull, NYPD Blue, Outer Limits. He also uh, directed two episodes of The Next Generation, including Timescape and Rascals, Timescape being one of my favorite episodes. And of course, his documentary For the Love of Spock. So Adam Nimoy, very excited to have uh, a Star Trek director on this episode. And it does make me wonder... What does Mike think's gonna happen? Alright. The practice, episode two, uh, season two, episode 23, Checkmate. What's gonna happen, Dex? You know, Keith, it really feels like this should be a season finale, doesn't it? It really does. Feels like we've been building up to this, but we only have 11 episodes after it. You know, on a regular TV show, uh, even, even at this point, episode 23 would probably be the finale. That's true. I have to say, in all honesty, I we've been off the air, well, we've not recorded with each other for over two weeks-ish, 
And I've been jonesing to see what happens here. Oh, I really... thought you were going to say, I don't remember anything that happened. <laughs> no, 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 that'd be funny. No, I'm really excited to see how this... When we last left our intrepid heroes, John Larroquette was taking over his own defense in this murder case, his second murder trial that Bobby has defended him on, and was basically treating Donald like... Uh, Bobby McDonald, like, <laughs> a, uh, like his clerk, basically. Yeah, well, Bobby got attached to the case by the judge to be the backup for Joey. So he's stuck there anyway. And of course, Joey is going up against our own Helen Gamble and uh, uh, what's her name? <laughs> oh, wow. Jean Ward, played Jean by Ward. Anna Gunn. Anna Gunn. If you haven't watched the trailer or the teaser for the new Breaking Bad movie, go do it. Um, oh, is it out? I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Awesome. I mean, it's, I don't want to say good. It's it's interesting. It's intriguing. You know, it comes okay. out. The movie comes out October 11th. So soon. Really? Yeah. Wow. How they kept it a secret, I'll never know. Anyway, so the show is the episode is entitled Checkmate, and so that leads me to believe that we're going to actually wrap this story up now. The time has come uh, for us to end this thing. Uh huh. And so here's what I'm going to. Here's I think more of what I'd like to see than what I'm really predicting, so we'll see okay. how close it gets. I'd like to see a great uh, tete-a-tete with Bobby and uh, Joey as the episode progresses, and how I'd like to see it conclude is that somehow Helen and Bobby decide that they're going to reconcile not just romantically, but also professionally, and they are going to concoct a scheme so that Bobby can graciously lose this case and send Joey away because I feel like it's they need to get John Larroquette off the show, but also let Bobby not be such a not be so um, complicit in defending him. Does that make sense? Yeah, except your solution in not being complicit in giving the man a defense is uh, framing somebody from or at, at the very least malpractice. I'm not saying frame him. It's just maybe not. Maybe concoct a scheme does imply that. <laughs> concoct a scheme with the DA when you are the defense attorney, Keith. Am I not mistaken in that the district attorney had two cops murder a perp? I well, yes, but we're trying to, as a, uh, Melania would say, be best. You're right. Okay. Well, I don't. Then that I don't would know not how that be being best. Okay. So let me simplify it then. Somehow, John Larroquette goes to prison. Okay, well, let's find out. Let's see if there's any scenery left after he chews it. Larroquette's in prison with Bobby with a bunch of books. Here comes Helen. Dark hair is here. Murder 2. That's a pretty good offer. Wow, Helen. Murder 2 is a good I'm offer. I'll call you Helen. No. I can't believe there's an offer already. Dorothy. Murder two. <laughs> Already a going? zing. Look, Mr. Hick, this may be fun for you. It isn't to me. You murdered somebody. I came in here to talk about a plea. If you reject the plea, we have nothing left to discuss. The plea's rejected. Fine. Oh, what about the piano? I beg your pardon? I would like to use a piano in my opening. And Bobby said it would be easier <laughs> with your consent. Look to be that fair, smirk. that's what I would do. Oh, you're damn right it would. I should mention, uh, for those of you who aren't watching the episodes along with us, John Larroquette, 1998 John Larroquette, looks 
exactly like 2019 John Larroquette. Well, absolutely. I mean, so does Dylan McDermott for the most part. Yeah, somehow he's gotten sexier, though, if I'm being honest. <laughs> look at that look, Keith. Screenshot that look, because that is Bobby Donald to the letter. Yeah, I mean, he. That is, those are some, like, definitely fuck me on the table eyes. Fuck me on the table eyes, that little, like, uh, those, that little vampire peak, widow's peak, everything's the happening. smirk. Yeah. Oh God, man, it's getting many. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little hot and bothered. Right, fair enough. You want to use a piano? Uh huh. Yes. In your opening argument. Mm-hmm. Yes. What I lack in lyric, I make up for in melody. <laughs> he wants to do what? <laughs> well, he thinks he. You will not turn my courtroom into theater, Mister. They Herrick. brought no, the judge in. Listen, to I know the it sounds insane, which you probably all think I am anyway. Music sells. It's only a matter of time before lawyers use it in the courtroom. I just want to be the first. I'm willing to show you if it'll help demonstrate my intent. Oh, please do. Okay, stop right there. Uh, Kids, if you're watching at home, this is at about the one minute and four second mark, and you should back it up ten seconds, because I am pretty certain if you watch Dylan McDermott, that is Dylan, the actor, full-on breaking with the absurdity of this. It's only a matter of time before lawyers use it in the courtroom. I just want to be the first. I'm willing to show you if you want to demonstrate my intent. (laughs) That is Dylan McDermott not being able to get through the scene. There's a piano in there. There's a dead guy. Everybody thinks I killed him. There's a dead guy. Life he was a pest. Took a knife right in the chest. Everybody says it's me, but it wasn't Kendrick. He's a dead guy. He's a dead guy. That's about as good as I do with that uh, better podcast theme. (laughs) I mean, guys, this is utterly absurd. And we are less than two minutes in. He's playing, they brought a piano into the prison and he sang a song. But you know what? I am 100% on board, even though it breaks everything. 100% on board. Also, I want you to clip out that MP3 because we need to use that in the future. Oh, And also... Good idea. As as some meta commentary, I want you all to listen to my marriage in shambles. Hey, Jen, could you go ahead and lower Handmaid's Tale that you're watching without me just slightly so it doesn't bleed into my podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the, the podcast audience can't quite hear your marriage dying. Honey, I love you. Oh, oh, that was rough. She gave me a love you back. Interaction, kids. She gave me a love you back. So my relationship's doing better than Bobby and Helen right now. Uh, something like that i still have to work on the ending there will be no piano (laughs) that was all before the credits oh my god oh well i mean that might have been my favorite scene so far but that might be my favorite uh my favorite stinger i've seen in the show so far oh my god that is absolute fucking bonkers and we're doing this like person has been murdered knife in the chest yeah for the second time but he is yeah so well i am dubious he would have got snuck a piano into the jail we do get our first original song on the practice not the out of practice podcast we have many of them but on the practice now keith did that appear on the the script or did he you know how rough it'll be there's going to be a, a lot question. of people in that courtroom. Everything is public record. 
I want to do this, Eleanor. I'm tired of pretending that it doesn't bother me. I'm tired of just walking away. <laughs> that was an unintentional boo. I'm so I'm sorry, sure. Cheryl. Okay. Ten o'clock. I'll see you at the courthouse. Eleanor's meeting with a, a new client, it appears. It is. They, they appear to go way back. Lady who wants to sue. Anything I say would be offensive. I'm going to stop. <laughs> well, wise. A wise decision, sir. I must uh, be rested. I must be well rested. <laughs> that is Cheryl Hawker from uh, Avenue 43. She was on Mike and Molly, Drop Dead Fred, and My Name is Earl. I loved Drop Dead Fred. You know, I haven't seen it. I just listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast episode about it. And I was so intrigued, I tried to find a way to watch the movie for free, but I, I couldn't do that by legal means, and I became too lazy to do it by illegal means. And that's about the age we're getting at. People think that, you know, I've just gotten <clears throat> uh, more mature as I've gotten older, and the truth is, right. it's not maturity, it's just sheer laziness. Well, I mean, that that really, that really is it. Like, I'm not a criminal mastermind, not because I couldn't or wouldn't, but because I'm just too lazy. Yeah. You turned down 75? I'm a little concerned you're not seeing straight on this one. I beg your pardon? Well, the woman didn't suffer any damages. 75 is not enough. Eleanor, you're a little hypersensitive when it comes to obesity. Let's face facts. Whoa, Our Bobby! Our ridiculed in front of a lot of people. My hypersensitivity... Did you make the client aware of the offer? Of course I did. She rejected it. Bob, I'm not mistaken, Bobby. You guys have made a shit ton of money lately. Oh, but that's not true. Jimmy didn't get that money. No, but they did get the million-dollar retainer. That's true. So did they're doing okay. Did you tell her to reject it? I made my client aware of the offer. She elected to go to trial. I'm assigning Lindsay to second chair. I don't need Lindsay to second chair this case. Uh, you did sue a guy because... Uh, you did counter-sue a guy because he turned you down a couple times. She didn't counter-sue him. I made that up. I knew it as I was saying it that I was You entirely it. made that up. He she sued actually her. has been a thousand percent reasonable. He sued her. He sued her for not dating him. But actually that that brings me to an interesting thought about or at least interesting to me. You know, I say I say things are interesting on the podcast like fifteen times mm -hmm. an episode, and they're never really interesting. I just it's I think it's like a like a I'm bloviating to fill up something of noise before I can retrieve the information. I just enjoy that every time you make a succinct and intellectual point, while I'm looking at you, there are 30 to 40 action figures over your right shoulder. Yeah, no, they're and they're all all Star Trek action figures. Are they? That's an, okay. Then that makes it more of a a, a specific collection a rather collection. than just a childhood uh, power fantasy. Exactly. Anyway, so the point I was going to make is this is the what second, third, or fourth episode that david e kelly has written that's about weight mm -hmm. why is bobby uh, bobby <laughs> well I, bobby is his stand-in why is david e kelly obsessed with weight maybe he had an issue maybe oh look at that yeah that's my that, last birthday card your birthday card has a has a picard it's a it's a birthday picard and it says happy birthday are you guys going to have kids we need to see the next generation Oh, shit. Ah, 
Did your mom make that herself? No, uh, but my sister did and was spoofing my mom, so still pretty clever. Hilarious. Oh my, this this episode's going to be four hours long. It's going to be pretty fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assigning Lindsay to second chair. Comedian? Great, you have to stick me in the middle? I just need an objective eye. I don't think Eleanor, I mean, I mean, you see the way she reacts to Joey Harris? Joey Harris calls Yeah, so hippo. the line there is, fat people be cray. Is that really what you're saying, David? Oh, my cat's stepping on the... I was wondering why I kept pausing. Sorry. <laughs> fat people be cray? Did you just say that, Keith? That's no, a, I think that's, that's what David E. Kelly's saying through Bobby there. Well, you know how she is. She's too crazy. She too crazy about all. being fat. She can't do this case. The clown booth, Lindsay. All I ask is that she watch dog. She'll take it out on me. It's all me. She knows that. <sighs> I think he just said, Eleanor's going to be a bitch this whole time. Which is... Again, I'm not a fan of these storylines, the David. The defendant has decided to be his own counsel. He has no legal training, and as such, I expect there could be procedural and evidentiary mistakes made by the defendant in the course of this trial. Fan. You're not to attach any relevance to procedural mistakes. You're not to draw any bias on the question of the defendant's guilt or innocence based on his performance as an attorney. Mr. Herrick? I will instruct you again. What a weird slow pan that was objection from between Helen really and Anna Gunn. You will wait for my ruling on that objection before you proceed. Are you clear, sir? Yes, Your Honor. Miss Gamble, are you ready to open? Yes, Your Honor. We'll hear from you. I'm, I'm sorry. I suppose that all my, my preparation and my um, nervousness, I'm embarrassed to say that I've, uh, I've left something out. What's that? I have to pee. <laughs> ah, zing, his first laugh. The bailiff will take the defendant to the men's room. We'll, well it's more minutes. than just that. I think this is the first really smart tactical thing that he does in this episode. Because he interrupts her opening statement right away and breaks her momentum immediately. when the police arrived. This is Marty Andelman's last expression. Dead. When the police showed up, the defendant was there with his three lawyers. The evidence will show that the defendant fatally stabbed Marty Andel. Keith, do you notice that on that cork board that she is showing to the jury, it's yeah. just the same picture three times. Is it really? Yeah, we're going to go back ten seconds and show. Oh, yeah, no, show they me didn't even do a. They didn't even uh, attempt. There you go. It's just the same photograph. No, it's not. Yes, no, it no, is. No, it's different angles of the same thing. I don't know that there are angles. It's just zoomed. No, I when the police showed up, the defendant was there I with his it. three lawyers. The no, there's slightly show different angles. The defendant it's the same dead guy, though. Marty Andelman. The evidence Agree to disagree. That the defendant and the victim were lovers. <laughs> that they were on the verge of a breakup. And that that breakup could potentially cost the defendant more than $2 million. I won't keep you long, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty simple. That man committed murder. The evidence will prove this quickly and undeniably. Oh, you're looking good in that suit, Helen. That's my first sexual harassment of the episode, Keith. Aw. You, you definitely need a sting for that. 
Hashtag me too soon. Let's address the first question. Mike sexually harasses the character. Trial where his life was on the line. Ms. Gamble would say that the evidence. I don't think there's any statutes against sexually harassing murder. a fictional character. Only thing good is, question. It just makes you a bad person. I didn't. Well. <laughs> Did I stab him? I'm also a soft liberal. I admit, I, I cop to that. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you here now, though I don't think it has any. You should back up to the beginning of his statement here. Three right. lawyers at the scene, even as we yes. were self-hating liberals, we had to talk about it for a long time. I committed murder. Only thing is, I didn't. Did I stab him? Yes, but it was in self-defense. You know, I'll tell you here now. Though I don't think it has any probative value, my three lawyers at the scene, even they thought I did it. Objection. Sustained. Don't tell us what other people thought, Mr. Herrick. I'm uh, uh, merely offering this to answer the question, why in God's name would he represent himself? Well, I do so because, as far as I know, I'm the only one convinced of my innocence. I'm not going to hire an attorney to argue something to a jury that he doesn't believe himself yes the evidence will show my prints on that weapon they will also show marty endelman's because what really happened that night ladies and gentlemen is that marty endelman tried to kill me we were on the verge of a split up and he was emotionally upset and he tried to kill me I'm not going to go into the facts now, but I will say the evidence will show that he came at me with the very knife that I stabbed him with, that we wrestled with that knife, that both of our hands were on it, and in the process of that struggle, the knife went into him, not me. Did I run? No. Did I try to cover up evidence? No. Did I know how it would look? <laughs> of course. That's why I called my lawyers. Let's face it, gay lovers, one's dead. We all know how it looks. But how it looks is not how it is. And what this comes down to is prosecution's going to say, convict him. You have to convict him. He was the only one who was there. And I will say, believe me. You have to believe me. Because I was the only one who was there. Now, Keith. Yes. If we haven't made it clear to our audience in mm -hmm. previous three episodes that uh, Mr. Larroquette has appeared on, I'd like to say once again, officially, in my expert opinion, mm -hmm. he's fucking awesome. He's great. Not only and, uh, a skilled yeah. comedian, a skilled performer, he's a skilled, he gives a a nuanced monologue. He's just great. And, the, and I think the direction in the episode here shows that the, uh, the, jury is absolutely absolutely eating out of the palm of his hands so i think that that's uh indicative of his sort of the character's manipulative abilities but also what larroquette can bring well i and and why wouldn't they be like that's a dynamite opening mm -hmm. and i i think you know so far he's done two things to really give himself a shot at this like that was a great opening i think he broke helen's momentum and he's using his like insane charisma to get away with murder <laughs> again possibly even bobby's like damn 
Yeah, hey, well, I was like, I should hire him. Get a little lemon pledge for that shine, would you? Oh, 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 hey, look over there. All right, we are watching a clown in a dunk pig. tank on video. Wait, so we know you're coming. I uh, oh, imagine he's making sorry. fun of the it's that lady. <laughs> That's the whole act. The clown insults everybody who walks by to make them angry enough to want to play the game. Let's put down two dollars to get three baseballs and try to dunk this obnoxious bastard into the water. We've all, all seen right. This. Let's do it. I know that lawyer from somewhere. That's Alan Blumenfield, Blumenfeld, which I didn't need to interrupt us because we've seen him before. That's uh, we last saw him in the means. So right. never mind. Recently, this kind of booth has been on the midways at state fairs and carnivals for sixty years. Did the clown insult the plaintiff? Yes. Yeah. Did he do anything to her that he didn't do to anybody else? No. Did he or the carnival have any malicious intent toward this woman? Of course not. You call a person fat. You abuse her. You encourage a crowd of people to laugh at her physicality. And when she's hurt, you say, no intent. Didn't mean it. The day he died? That's a rough case The there. very day. Yeah. And what did Mr. Andelman say to you, doctor? Basically, that he was very afraid for his life. And this that he thought Mr. Herrick might try to kill him. The therapist did he say played why? by Lee Chamberlain. Well, for the last he had episode. been getting a lot of veiled threats over the last few weeks. Veiled threats? Yes, Mr. Herrick would say things like, how's your heart? Uh, feeling any chest pains? You might want to object to this. <laughs> and why specifically... Did he feel in danger on this day, Dr. Ben. Toomey? Because Different he was ben. about to break up with Mr. Herrick. And he said that he was a violent man. And moreover, he was not a man who would lose, who would let himself be bested. Marty Andelman said that he was afraid of me? Yes, he did. Afraid I would kill him? Yes. Doctor, you were um, treating him for mental problems? I am not comfortable discussing my patient's problems in open court. You're not comfortable? What are you doing sitting in that chair? I'm sitting here because oh, the prosecution sent me a summons. Yes, but you will answer this man's questions. Patient privilege doesn't apply anymore. He suffered from paranoid personality disorder. You diagnosed it. A slight paranoid disorder, yes. I'm no doctor, certainly, but according to the... Uh, Diagnostic Manual for Mental Disorders. DSM. A pervasive and unwarranted <laughs> tendency to for interpret the actions nerds. of people as deliberately threatening. Is that a fair diagnosis of the uh, disorder? Yes, but... And Mr. Andelman suffered from this disorder, slight. Yes. Have we he given that therapist her due, Keith? Clinical depression. I literally yes. just introduced her 90 seconds ago. Suicide? Oh, are did you I have a now stroke? suggesting that he committed <laughs> suicide, Mr. Herrick? No, doctor, I'm uh, really asking you, did he ever contemplate suicide? What the hell happened to me? Yes. Oh, no. Since you asked for my suggestion, is it a terrible leap then to, to say that a person who would consider suicide might consider... I did the thing yesterday where I freaked out and asked my wife 30 times where my glasses were, and she's like, they're on your face. Oh. Well, that's better than my wife. She threw my glasses in a pool. Or in the uh, in a lake, actually, that's definitely not true. We were uh, upstate, and we tried to get a uh, two people on a one-person kayak, and the inevitable happened. 
<laughs> and my glasses are there for the turtles. Well. I was going to come up with a joke. My fault. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, doctor, my question is, is it entirely inconsistent that a person might be both suicidal and homicidal? No. One last question, then I'll let you go. I know that you will loathe to talk about your patients. Did Marty Andelman manifest a tendency toward violence? Yes. Thank you. That's all. Another great work. I think they. Sh I think they should hire Joey. Put him on retainer at least. We were just walking through the fairgrounds, and suddenly he started in, into a microphone. The clown. Yes. Do you remember what he said? Things like, I guess the Titanic didn't sink after all. He asked whether or not more I had Titanic stuff. So much Titanic. Just waiting for them to be born first. And <laughs> he called me a bunch of things. Do you remember the things that he called you? Cow. Pig. Rhode Island. <laughs> and then what did you do? Fan. I tried to smile. <laughs> that got to Degs, apparently. <laughs> oh, no. Rhode Island. <laughs> God, that's cruel. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Shit. boy. I do not, do not agree with fat shaming. But if you were going to, <laughs> Rhode Island is a hell of a one to go with. Oh, no. Ooh. Oh, goodbye, all the new subscribers we got last no, week. Oh, no, no, no. They're very fit. <laughs> and pretend I thought it was funny. Everybody else was laughing, so I just kept walking. No, but seriously, those carnival clowns, that's what they do. That is, that's, that is the defense. Smiling. You walked away. Yes. And he said, when she turns a cheek, she really turns a cheek. Marsha, were you alone? No, I was with a man. I was on a first date. It was very embarrassing for him, too. And then what happened? Well, he told me it was nothing to get upset about, and I tried to pretend it didn't bother me. But... After the date, I went home, and I cried. Is she suing the carnival or the clown? The carnival. I never saw him again. Marsha. No, I gotta say, question. like, tough part, but really good job by Cheryl Hawker. Absolutely. Very, very grounded, very real. Good work. Couldn't you, in turn, sue the carnival for, like, fraud for all of their, like, clearly gimmicked games? I mean... Yeah. Yeah, could, I think that's probably, probably a better case. But then again, they're they're not they're not literally impossible, and they do they are advertised as a game of chance. Yeah. Plus, everyone in the world knows they're rigged. Why choose to relive this again in a courtroom? I went to a state fair on a Sunday afternoon. I was minding my own business, and for the entertainment of others, a carnival employee started insulting my physical appearance for profit. I am not ashamed of taking that seriously. When I walk down a street and people yell things at me, the shame should not be mine. It should be theirs. 
Let me tell you, when this lady got offered the got offered the part for this, her agent must have told her, "Listen, it's a great meaty role. It's a great guest role. However, just so you know, if if it's on your forty under forty list to win an oopsie, you should know you're going into this episode against John Larroquette." That's that's true because you know, similar to last week, like I I think she would have solidified it right there on that monologue on a normal week. So she's got some high stakes. Gonna this, have to work work hard. This is a Larroquette week, unfortunately. That is. I gotta say though, this case is very interesting because she's a thousand percent right mm-hmm. on the shame part. Like the shame is not on her, the shame is on the asshole saying it. But I'm not sure what law are we trying to adjudicate here? Right, isn't it free speech? Like, it's not nice to make fun of people, but she's saying it's, for she's saying for profit. I don't know if that's well. Oh, oh no, it definitely is. Yeah. It definitely is. But I, you know, and so you wonder, like, are we talking about slander law? But it wouldn't necessarily be that. Like, there's no law against being an asshole. Right. That's that 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 is my question to ruminate on as we listen to this case we'd have been locked up years ago was plunged in clearly it had to have had a certain amount of velocity to it there was no mashing of the skin by velocity you mean like this it couldn't have happened great struggle the way he says are you sure he just stabby pathologist guy you definitely did not rehearse that because it was a shitty stab (laughs) <laughs> that is Adrian Sparks, uh, who is probably best known for the movie Papa Hemingway in Cuba, which he played Hemingway. He was also in Brimstone, Insidious 3, The Purge Anarchy, and he was in the episode Magist he was in the episode Retrospect playing the magistrate on Star Trek Voyager. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Describes a situation in which both had their hands on it and were pushing. I'm sorry, but you don't just push a knife through a sternum. This was a massive blow. It was no struggle. Do you have an opinion as to how Mr. Andelman was stabbed? I do, based on the trajectory of the wound. May I show you? Of course. He's so excited to stab things. was sitting. The killer came up from behind him and over the top. He drove the knife in. Schedule this. We're talking about a lot of force here. Well, the reason I have a problem, Doctor, is that you're completely wrong. And it leads me to ask how many other people have been falsely convicted by your ridiculous theories? Objection. Sustained. Okay. Look, I'm not going to debate you on forensics, trajectory, velocity equations. The truth is, I know nothing about any of it. I certainly do know that Marty Entelman didn't die the way you say he did. Objection. Sustained. You're unallowed to give arguments at this point, Mr. Herrick. Just ask questions. Sir, in 1987, did you testify against a man named Alex Beauregard? Uh-oh. Yes. Your testimony went to trajectory, angle of wound. It was another stabbing death, right? Yes, I believe that's correct. Mr. Beauregard was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Yes. Two years later, somebody else confessed to the crime. Conviction was overturned and Mr. Beauregard was released. Did you know that? Yes. And your analysis of wound trajectory turned out to be wrong in that case, didn't it? Yes. A crime you essentially convicted him of with your testimony. So mistakes do happen. I'm not mistaken here, Mr. Herrick. Mistakes do happen. Yes or no? 
Zing. Yes. Thank you. Bobby's like... Oh, one last question. ...sexually impressed. Did you ever apologize to Mr. Beauregard? I, I, I mean, wouldn't you be? No. I am. Gee. God, he's good. <laughs> That's a low voice competition. Whoever's out there doing it for us, get that 3D printer fired up. <laughs> 100,000. Again, he's album. killing it. Look, bring it up to two. I'll try to sell it. 200,000. You saw the faces on the jury. Well, the not... jury hasn't heard our side. Fine, yet. we'll tell them your side, but 100's not enough. We'll give you a quick answer. I gave him the answer. We have to take the offer to the client. We'll get right back to you. Thanks. Helen is pretty fired up here. Lindsay. You can't reject an offer without making the client aware of it, Eleanor. Why are they always fighting, Dags? I don't know, from manslaughter, eight years. What? They just offered a manslaughter. It's a moral victory. Unbelievable. But it's not a victory. Bobby well, it's was as disgusting. good as it's gonna get. It's as good as you'll offer. I'll get better. Manslaughter, yes or no? Gee, decisions, decisions. No. Joey. I said no. Oh. Will Bobby have a line this episode? crazy? Oh, there They're we offering go. eight years. That's because they know they've lost. They still got a great case. Yeah, and if you weren't in favor of me going off to prison, I might actually attach some credibility to your insipid little opinions. Now you can do what you want to do, but you committed cold-blooded murder and you get an offer of manslaughter? It's as sick as you are, you can't be that stupid. listening to you touch me again and i will hurt you shall you we charge them or i won't then yeah you are stupid yeah bobby all right wait so stop it there the we need sack to have a little on discussion bobby. here yeah talk to me okay so he just got called stupid and he snapped and went crazy and like charged bobby and lost his cool for the first time because he got called stupid now you could say that is the Achilles heel of a classic narcissist. That 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 is truly uh, the thing that wounds a narcissist the most. But also, is it an act? Because because Joey losing control like that doesn't seem very Joey. So is it an act? Well, or is it is it the writer saying, "Have we made him too sympathetic"? Are, people, are too many of our audience cheering for him now, so we have to show that he also... We have to remind them that he's a violent kind of guy. Oh, and a thousand percent. I want him to come... I hope he murders someone every year. <laughs> when's, when's, the Joey, when's the Joey episode? Yeah. yeah. When's Joey going to kill somebody? It'd be hilarious. But may, Or maybe it's just going back to giving the loophole Bobby needs in the episode to go more in line with my what does Mike think's going to happen and now Bobby feels like he has to intervene we can't just let him get off with with manslaughter I guess I guess the way I feel about it if that truly is his Achilles heel it's a little ham-fisted in the writing I'd agree It's, it's it's a little bit too much I'd agree but let's go to uh and obviously you know but let me go to your other hypothesis Okay. If you're Joey, explain to me what the motivation for that is. Like, what does that, you're just putting, you just want Bobby to be afraid of you? So you, like, threaten him a little bit physically? No. If I'm Joey, I would be planting that seed in Bobby's head, hoping that it gets to Helen, 
then Helen tries to provoke that on the stand, and I don't. I so don't makes, freak out. And so it make makes her, her look seem, crazy. Make, make her seem desperate mm. and him seem cool. Now, Keith, sometimes you show what a great writer you are. <laughs> but, will the son, but will Adam Nimoy uh, be able to pull that out of him? Or who wrote it? David E. Kelly. David E. Kelly, yeah. Okay, let's see. I mean, Ham-Fisted and, and David E. Kelly do, off, do on occasion, uh, go together. Please don't listen, David. Something tells I me he's not. I don't want her on the case. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want her. Fine, my malpractice premium is high enough already. Look, Lindsay, part of negotiating a good settlement is don't playing hardball. Don't bully hard me, Eleanor. I don't you need know a secretary. I'm right. I don't need to tell me what... You know what? Rebecca you Cricket? That fat people face a discrimination. You just don't get it. And that is exactly why Marsha is bringing this case. So people like you will get it. Well, I'm a fat bigot now. I didn't say that. Well, but say while we're launching accusations of hypersensitivity. We're all on the same side here. You're in the middle of it. Keith, don't you ever call me a fat bigot. <laughs> no. Trial. Well, work yeah, but, it out. But, but again, again, so to go down to Eleanor's point, right? bigotry isn't against the law like there are plenty of racist bigots out there and they're allowed to do that as long as it's not showing up in hiring practices or or in a any sort of a legal standpoint so like assholes can be assholes and it makes them assholes but what's the what is the law that has been broken here well let's even go back to just like not even that big picture let's zoom in a little bit in this particular case I get that I everything Ellen is Eleanor saying is totally valid, right? I, I get I get where she's coming from. I get her motivations both uh maybe maybe it's blurry the law motivations, right? But definitely her emotional motivations make sense. However, that doesn't supersede the fact that uh, Lindsay's right. You can't not the the law says you have to t you can't just deny the offer on account that you think she should get more. Well, that's that's also true. But like, think about so if the clown had been selling or had been shouting racist things, right? Yeah. So he's horrible, and if I were his employer, I would fire him. But what's the law? Right. Like, it's it I, 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 like I, I I wish I could sue anyone who said something horrible to me. Yeah, I guess but it's I they they handled this better in a different case. Uh, where when something somebody says incites violence. Totally. Definitely a different, a more nuanced sort of perspective. Right. And, well, And so the, the law they broke was inciting violence, not what they said. Right. I mean, I guess they tried to show the point that this guy broke up with her since we've been down that road before, but that's not really... Well, she broke up with him. Oh, in that case, yeah. But in this one, yeah. he, she said that he never, she never saw the guy again. Oh, right, right. The but boyfriend. that's really superfluous information. Superfluous? Is that that's not a word? Superfluous. Is that what I what I said? Oh, maybe I'm just being an asshole, and you should sue oh. me. Oh, okay, yeah. The pronunciation police uh, apparently have arrived <laughs> on the Out of Practice podcast. Oh my god, I just hated myself. I'm gonna sue myself for being such a prick. Eugene, I need you with me this morning too. Can you come? It's just for the day. Let the record show. I definitely did say superfluous. No, I didn't. Now that I've just said it correctly, I realize I said it wrong the first time. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. That doesn't make you any less of a prick, by the way. No, it, it sure doesn't, but you can't sue me. And according to Mr. Andelman's I mean, I could policy, sue you. who would stand to inherit in the event of his death? Uh, the defendant, Joey Herrick. And how much would he stand to inherit, sir? 
$2.3 million. Thank you. Half of which he just Mr. gave Harry? to Bobby. No questions. No, Bobby's uh, not getting paid anything right step now. Down. Ms. Gamble? Weren't they on a million dollar retainer? No, that's Your the Honor, other murder. The Commonwealth calls <laughs> Joey Herrick. Could she do that? Uh, Your Honor, could we adjourn to chambers? See, that's too big. Like, Joey would have more... Con like, he wouldn't have such a big reaction. Yeah, he he didn't see that coming? Or maybe your plot that you you pictured, you picked, pointed out was exactly right. I don't know. Uh, maybe he's got a bead on it, Keith. I Ooh, have a, a bead on it, which is a gun thing. Bang, she bang. Call me as a witness. He has testified, Your <laughs> Honor. He therefore waived his right. We love what you, Tom. What are you talking about? Mr. Herrick put facts into evidence in his opening. He told his side of the story. I am entitled, therefore, to cross-examine his version of the event. Opening argument is not evidence. I know that. I'm not even a lawyer. But he used it to get in evidence. He testified in the narrative. Even so, I'm not inclined to punish him for a mistake. Not when it comes to his self-incrimination. But was it? Come on. Do we really think he didn't know exactly what he was doing? He told it's his unlike side you to of the story. Give so and much by foreshadowing. Not the stand, he figured to shield <laughs> himself from cross-examination. That's the whole reason he chose to represent himself. So he could testify and not be subject to cross-examination. You give me way too much credit. Your Honor, he said in his opening that the evidence will show it was self-defense. The evidence will show that Marty Annelman came at him. Where's that evidence going to come from? Mr. Herrick, do you plan to call witnesses to put those facts in? How can I call witnesses? I was the only one there. Exactly, making you the only witness. Boom! I think I agree with That's the district smart. attorney. You've put testimony into this trial. She can cross-examine. Your Honor! That's what you get, Mr. Herrick, when you choose to defend yourself. You put yourself in a hole. You'll have to dig yourself out. Fine. Helen. You come right at me. Bobby doesn't like this. Bobby's I'll, thinking. Dylan's done so much face acting in this episode. It's a he shame. really has. Well, <laughs> actually, you put that perfectly because I think we've seen some of Dylan's face acting as well as Bobby's acting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I won't deny the clown is mean-spirited. The truth is, that's why that booth draws the crowds. Because the clown is, is so outrageous. Does the carnival impose any limitations? Shall Certainly. we keep? No, uh... Let's do it. Uh guy who owns the carnival is kind of a dick! P.T. Harmum? Comedian? <laughs> Obscene language. <laughs> Well, we have, we have to say who it is. I know, that's sort of our M.O. now. Oh, my God. That is Jack Shearer, who uh, has done a whole bunch of David E. Kelly stuff. He has played on Boston Legal, which is a spinoff of the show. He plays a judge and Antonin Scalia. He was also a third judge on Ally McBeal, which also takes place in this world. He was also Scalia on Picket Fences, which is a da another David E. Kelly series. And on Star Trek Voyager, he played two different admirals. And he was in the movie First Contact, and he played two characters on Deep Space Nine. This man has some real Star Trek cred. 
Unnecessary Star Trek reference. No picking on people with disabilities, no picking on kids. Obviously, no racial or religious remarks. But as to general physicality? Yes, it's really all about that. The big nose, the bald head, the bad figure, the bad clothing. His job is to antagonize the people so that they become angry enough that they want to dunk him. So you do draw limitations on what your clowns can say? Yes. And if my colleague were to pass by, your clown wouldn't remark on his race? No. He would probably go right for that big bald head. Come on. I've been to a few <laughs> comedy clubs. I've heard some pretty hard-biting racist humor getting big laughs. I mean, if it's funny. We wouldn't allow that. Well, why? Everybody knows it's just a clown act. What's the big deal? I see nothing funny in racism. And I don't tolerate it in any form at any one of my carnivals. So and you even do if you see something did, funny there's no fact. law that says you can't. Yeah, you're allowed to be arbitrary with what you tolerate and don't tolerate in this case, I think. You'll tolerate yeah. making fun of fat people. When it's yes? pure speech. Yes. And Mr. Johnson, your tolerance of this kind of abuse, is it that you're unaware of the hurt? You Keith, this is one of those cases where we have made, made mention in the past where the judge, right before they go into deliberation, would remind them that here are the statutes that apply. And you and I are saying, what are those statutes? What are the, exactly, what are those statutes? I mean, this is, this is like a, uh, a pre-internet troll, internet troll case. Mm -hmm. You cause to people Speaking like my client, or is fan. it that you just disregard that kind of pain? We never meant to hurt your client, Miss Frutz. Are you aware that you did hurt her? Obviously, we're aware now. And since you became aware of it, that these words hurt, have you instructed your clowns to stop ridiculing fat people? No. Her whole plan will be to get to that other murder. The judge suppressed that. But if she somehow gets you to open the door on it, she can get it admitted. What do you mean, open the door? Well, she'll ask, what, what do you mean Marty had a temper? She wants you to answer that he threatened to kill Peter Feynman. If you give any inkling of anything to do with that other case, it'll get in. The jury will learn that you killed somebody else. In a okay, so my prediction was flat out wrong, as Bobby is now giving him really good advice instead of conjuring a way to get him to incriminate. So Bobby being a professional lawyer, good for him. When Mike, what Mike thinks gonna happen was wrong. Was wrong. If that happens, you can kiss your ass goodbye, Joey. You're almost always right, though. <sighs> okay. Joey, she is very good. Uh, for the record, I'd like to state, as we're just over the halfway mark, I'm really digging this episode. Oh, it's super fun. Any evidence that Mr. Andelman could be homicidal? You heard his own psychiatrist say so. Yes. Well, any other evidence? Did you ever see such homicidal tendencies? Yes. When? The night he tried to kill me. The night you killed him? In self-defense. Did he ever threaten to kill you before? No. Did he ever threaten to kill anybody else? I believe for the purpose of this trial, the judge has instructed us not to talk about any other occasion where he may have or may have not threatened to kill anybody else. That's right. Zing. <laughs> you say he came at you with the knife. Yes. And you thought he would kill you. Yes. So you decided to kill him instead. Well. You didn't first try to get the knife away? Yes, of course I did, but I couldn't. And you struggled? Yes. Tell me, at what point during the struggle did you say to yourself, I'm going to kill him? 
I never decided to kill him, Ms. Gamble. My intent was for him not to kill me. Yes, and to accomplish that, you decided you would kill him. That isn't so. Mr. Herrick, you said yourself you intended to kill him. You grabbed the knife. I said I killed him in self-defense. Yes, and that is a deliberate act. You deliberately killed him. It was a struggle. Are you listening? Mr. Herrick, you can't have it both ways. Were you trying to wrestle the knife away, or were you trying to kill him? I was trying to wrestle the knife away when it went into him. You thrust it into him. It went into him during the struggle. It went in by accident? Yes. I never intended to kill him. How many ways can I say it? You said it perfectly. Uh oh. Have you ever stabbed and killed anybody else, Mr. Herrick? Oh, shit. Did you not hear my question, Mr. Herrick? Your Honor? Your Honor, you ruled if he argued accident, the other case would be admissible. Well, he just argued accident. Objection. I'll allow oh, it. Snap. Now, wait a second. Mr. Donald, sit down. Have you ever killed anybody else by stabbing Mr. Herrick? That's suppressed. Your Honor, that's suppressed. Not anymore. Did you kill a former lover by stabbing him in the chest with a knife? Yes oh, or no, Helen, sir? Oh, Helen, you, you naughty little minx. All right, well, I'll just keep asking until I get Mike an answer. Mike sexually harasses the characters. Did you kill a him to his death with a kitchen knife? Did you kill... With all due respect. Kill a former lover. <laughs> Plead the Fifth Amendment. Oh, you can't do that, sir. See, you were already granted immunity on that. So the Fifth Amendment isn't available to you now. Let me ask again. Oh, we got Batman's sideways bad guy camera here. Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. Adam, I love you, but I think it's a little bit much. Did you kill city councilman Peter Feynman by stabbing him to his death oh, with a kitchen knife? Mate. Yes or no? Did you kill... I don't remember. Did you testify under oath that you killed him? That score? Your Honor, I have no more questions. Oh, Helen. Barraquette is pissed. What you gonna do now, Joey? Mr. Herrick, you may step down. He looks freaked Mr. out. Herrick, you may step down. Can he cross-examine himself? I should tell now. Could we adjourn, please? Oh, what's uh -oh. Your Honor, Mr. Herrick, do you know where you are? I'm in deep trouble. I want to tell. God damn it, I did we... kill Peter Feynman, but I didn't kill Marty. He killed himself. I beg your pardon? He framed me. That would be going to some length to get somebody in trouble, don't you think? We were breaking up, but I was leaving him. He picked up the kitchen knife and he started laughing. They're all gonna think you did it, Joey. You killed Peter this way, and when they find me in your apartment with a knife in my chest, they'll all blame you. And he laughed some more. You'll never get the insurance money. Because they'll all think you did it, and you'll be in jail. 
And even if they learn the truth, my insurance doesn't cover suicide. And he smiled at me. And he said, I finally got you, Joey. I bested you. I win. You lose. And with that, he thrust the knife into his chest. We might just need to create an entirely new oopsie category that's just called the John Larroquette Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> we might. Well, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the dude took home an Emmy for this season. Okay, so I guess he does. What you're saying is that our oopsie's not as prestigious? Well, I mean, it's prestigious in a different way. Okay. Then why, why did you claim it was self-defense? Nobody beats me. Wasn't going to let him win. Self-defense, I still get the money. But even if I didn't, I wasn't going to let him win. Your, Your Honor, we need to call one more witness. I couldn't let him win. Wow, that was really good. When you form a conclusion about people based on... I don't know, people, if you're just listening to us and listening along, or if you're going back and watching along, I don't really know the methodology behind your consumption of this podcast. We don't know why you do this either. It's an odd bird. Um, (laughs) We haven't really cracked the case yet either. Uh, However, if you are by any chance not watching these, or perhaps just kind of uh, skipping, skimming through... You owe it to yourself to get onto Hulu or to go on to an illegal site of some sort and find yourself... <laughs> no, 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 we don't want to get sued. No, you're right. Hulu we don't... or Amazon. Hulu or Amazon or, uh, you know, your local affiliate that's uh, maybe running uh, reruns. Regardless, season two, episode 23, you should watch this one. John Larroquette really, uh, really, uh, really is impressive in this episode. Yes, he is. On appearance... It's bigotry. It's prejudice. And as politically correct as this country has become, the pre- This case, and we'll talk about it at the end, whilst yeah. really well done, I suppose, it, an interesting an interesting conversation doesn't really seem to be based in a lot, and also I feel like we've chewed this apple before. I think we have. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I will, okay, we'll talk about the end, but like, this case could have been rescued by some explanation of the legal precedent they're trying for. Right. Uh, anybody who's checking, chew this apple is not an idiom that I've ever heard before. I just... I just. Uh, no, I liked it. it I liked it. It's, it's, it's a new uh, degsism. Prejudice against fat people. Something tells me it's also getting mp 3 Well, that one's <laughs> not so bad, is it? I mean, we're to blame. It's our own fault. We must eat too much. We're lazy. We're not disciplined. We're sloppy. You know... I was at a movie theater once, and they showed a fat person at the beach in a bathing suit. And the audience openly cringed and groaned. And nobody, nobody was ashamed to do so. It doesn't mean you can sue them. You see, every billboard, every fashion magazine tells us to be ashamed of our bodies. Be thin, be thin. Would my client like to be thinner? I don't know. I can tell you I certainly would. 
Does she struggle with her weight? I don't know. I can tell you, I do. But does that mean we should be ashamed of our bodies? Absolutely not. I don't expect the bigotry to end with the wave of a wand. It has been going on for so long. It's going to take a long time to stop it. But if we are to stop it, we need a beginning for somebody, one jury, to say that it is prejudice and that it is not okay. So maybe there isn't legal precedence, Keith. Maybe that's the whole tactic here is that she's trying to set a legal precedent to make it hate speech. You know what I mean? Well, but it's a huge swing. And I guess why they're so pissed that she didn't take the settlement. But hate speech in a public context isn't illegal. If there was precedence, at least it would give it would. This is how you make it. Isn't this how you do it? And then it gets appealed and it goes up and up and up and up. And that's eventually how somebody rules on it. Yeah, but still, but but I guess we're saying like, even if it full on was hate speech. Right. If I if I ran into Times Square and started screaming hate speech, what's the law? Right. It doesn't does it doesn't supersede the First Amendment. Right. This is a very, very brave woman. I so admire her. They're gonna lose, aren't they, Keith? Oh, I and can't I tell promise you, you, it was not easy for her to come into this courtroom. Cameron, get your shit together. No, Please she's giving help a terrific performance in a other fat strange people to stand case. up and say, enough. Enough. Actually, she's winning herself. Well, we seem to sue over everything these days. That's what she's doing. That's the case she's going for. Wrongful termination, sexual harassment. Now it's just insults. By the way, we're giving two great closes that don't get a bumper here, but... uh... Oh, oh, God, oh, God. It's close. Well, I was saving it for Joey's case. I know, I don't know. Did we get it? Put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, you're close. the little league game where the third baseman taunts the batter but what about the movie that shows the fat woman on the beach what about the movies and the and the tv shows that ridicule someone's appearance what are we gonna do shut them down the cattleman sued oprah for criticizing a hamburger where and when is this going to stop i don't like the clown bit i thought it was insensitive but this guy was dressed up as a clown. Just <laughs> running off to court every time your feelings are hurt. Come on. We're becoming a nation of victims. Who's next? No, but see, that, that's where he's wrong. Because she is a victim. I mean, it's like... There's just no law to protect her like it's it's like it's like this false choice between if we don't hold this person legally responsible for being an asshole then we're okay with what he says and i don't think that's true sometimes it's gray area man Mm. 
can't all be checkmate. Joey's defeated you and he knows it. Trust me now, Joey. I'm taking over. I call the shots, and you have to trust me. Why do you even want to help me? I'm not sure that I even do. But I'm on this case, and I have to make the legal decisions that I think are necessary. Now, Dr. Jordan. He won't agree to testify unless you wear hand and leg restraints. Why? He doesn't think that you'll be able to tolerate some of his testimony. And that is entirely prejudicial, and I can't imagine... How long did you treat Joey Herrick? Almost six years. Is it possible that the man sitting there would rather face murder charges than admit he was outsmarted? Not only is it possible, I would consider it almost probable. What kind of narcissism are we talking about here? The same kind of narcissism that prevented you raising insanity. This man needs to believe he is mentally superior. Look at him. He sits there, half dead, not because he's looking at a conviction. He probably doesn't even care about that. He's near catatonic because that woman tricked him. She outmaneuvered him on this witness stand. Any punishment you give him won't be as bad as what he's suffering right now. So not only did he get outsmarted, but he got outsmarted on the one thing Bobby prepped him on. Uh, possibly, yeah. Or this is all, this is like another move he's making. Another act. Joey keeps you guessing. This is a bit much for me. I don't doubt that. The man's willing to risk a life term in prison rather than just say, gee, my lover one-upped me by trying to kill himself. Trying to make sense of him is futile, Miss Gamble. He has an acute narcissistic disorder. He needs to win. And would that oh, need that to really win familiar these to days. this trial, Doctor? Excuse me? Wouldn't Joey feel an overwhelming need to win this trial? Yes, he would. And he's a brilliant man, isn't he? He's a genius. Given his genius and his need to win, is it possible, after I caught him on the stand, is it possible that he manufactured this wonderful story about Marty killing himself? That is possible. Does it have to make sense, this kind of narcissistic disorder? It defies sense or logic. As Dr. Jordan testified, a narcissist can't bear criticism of any kind. Imagine when the man he loved looked him in the eye, smiled at him and said, I've outsmarted you. I schemed you out of your insurance money. I beat you. Now, for once, Bobby is wearing a sensible, well-fitted suit, and he looks great. He does. This man doesn't lose. No, he doesn't. And he... And this has been the practice fashion corner. Wasn't going to lose this one, was he? <laughs> he orchestrated an immunity agreement. We do talk a lot about fashion for two profoundly unfashionable people. We could not be Suddenly less that the fashionable. Victim took his own life. Maybe his Keith, I'm not ashamed to admit, that, and it's apropos for this episode. Yes. I own about four pairs of shorts, and I rarely wear them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if something about shorts. I just, I, I can never find the right length. It's tough. Anyway, I have this one pair that I, it's been in my drawer for a little while and I, I forgot I had them. There's these plaid shorts and I was like, you know what? I'm going to put them on yesterday because it's kind of hot. I put them on, fastened them up and guess what happened? 
What happened? The button popped right the hell off. Oh, well, you're talking about my every morning. <laughs> so don't think that me and Keith don't uh, sympathize with the fat shaming taking place. Yeah, except for like, when I knew you, you were heavier and now you've been rail thin for like a decade. No, no, no. I did go crazy and got really rail, th- like sickly thin. And now I'm, uh, then I got average and now I'm once again above average. No. Oh, yeah. Tell that to the six Choco Tacos I had last night. His best mind game of all. Well, how can anybody be sure? You heard his story, it sounded real, and he was the only one there. And his treating doctor said his story is not only possible, it is probable. Probable. And the victim's doctor testified that Marty Andelman did show suicidal tendencies. You heard that. Joey Herrick laughed after the first murder. He's laughing at me now. The only remaining question, does he get to laugh at you? Damn. I think it might be verdict time Please for Eleanor. Be the the big V. Adam Clark presiding. What does Mike think's gonna make the verdict? Madam Foreperson, we'll hear from you. Not guilty, then guilty. In the matter of Marcia Belson versus New England Carnival Company on the count of intentional infliction of emotional distress. There you go, Keith. Intentional Is that infliction. A law? Intentional infliction. Well, we gotta Google emotional it. Emotional distress. Yeah, well, you know, a better podcast. You get on the Google while I'm listening. All right. We All right. find All right. in favor of the plaintiff. And wow. order the defendant to pay damages in the amount of $330,000. Get the fuck out of here. The jury is dismissed with the thanks of the court. We're adjourned. I'm over for 1. <laughs> right. If you tell anybody I cried, I break your head. It's a I common understand. law tort. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. I never met a tort I didn't like. Yeah, well, here, let me let me read it. Intentional infliction of emotional distress, sometimes called the tort of outrage, is a common law tort that allows individuals to recover for, uh, for severe emotional distress caused by another individual who intentionally or recklessly inflicted emotional distress by behaving in an extreme and outrageous way. Some courts and commentators have subtitled mental for emotional, but the tort is the same. Okay. Okay. It's a common, it's not really a law, sort of a common law tort. So okay. it's, it seems like basically it's a, it's a big swing is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if she had fewer torts, we wouldn't be here. Oh, Whoa, you know what? I'm not even going to boo that because it was pretty banging. <laughs> That's horrible. I retract that joke. Too bad. It's on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Will John Here Larroquette we appear again? Maybe if he goes to jail, though, they could do like a Hannibal Lecter thing and they visit him and stuff like that. Oh, good idea. A very audible piece of paper. Members of the jury, you have your verdict. We do, we do Your Honor. Honor. Will the defendant please rise? Guess that's a no. 
Oh, Bobby's up. And now Joey's up. What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Joseph Herrick on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Joseph Herrick, not guilty. This slippery son of a bitch. The defendant is free to go. Members of the jury, thank you for your service. We're adjourned. For those counting at home, uh, Dags, you were over two. I'm a loser. <laughs> well, Bobby, you did it. Also, I do believe that. Uh, 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 second time in this episode, I haven't been able to come up with Anna Gunn's name. She has to run through the courtroom naked. Several of the jurors polled say they really do think he committed the murder, but they just couldn't be positive. The only thing we can be sure of, as of right now, Joey Herrick is once again a free man. Thank you, Robert. Does this mean we get to see John Larroquette later? I don't know. Can't tell you. God damn it, I, I can't wait. keep some of this stuff. Souvenirs. Research, in case I ever need it again. Joey, get some help. It was just so hard to find, Bobby. <laughs> oh. Zing. Still here. Thought you'd be out placing a personal by now. Cute. Failed at love twice. Willing to take another stab. Forever yours. Love sick. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> I get you right. Comedian? Here, doesn't it? I know you're a murderer. Yes. But do you know I killed Mari? I'll tell you this, Dorothy. When you had me on the stand, you really had me. I got sexually stimulated a little. Yeah, I could have wanted to deny that Marty killed himself, but I couldn't bear the idea of losing to him. Oh, you're right. I could have made it all up to avoid losing to you. It's so damn confusing. Why narcissism? Such a bugger. Truth be told, you're two seasons two into a show, and uh, it would be silly for David E. Kelly to put him away in prison and, and lose the ability to write more for this incredible uh, character. True enough. Can't live with it. But you can date. That's the second smug smile he's been able to walk off into the sunset with. Yes, he has. Okay. So, Joey Herrick gets away with it. Wow, that was pretty spectacular. Wow. Oh, well, we have so much to unpack. And you know what it's time for? It's time for the oopsies. Woo-hoo! And starting with possibly... Oh, wait, no. I'm going to get it right this time. Most well, Keith, I guess that was you pitching it to me. Yeah, indeed. Did we determine last episode whether John Larroquette can lawyer can be considered for this oopsie or whether Joey Herrick can? I, w I would think so. Yeah. I mean, he's he served as his own lawyer. So technically he was doing lawyering. 
Well, this is tough because, oh, man, I think Eleanor also did a pretty bang up job. Or uh, she did. She won half a million dollars for her client, and he escaped prison. But I would say Joey had a little help from Bobby. No, he did. I still got to give it to Joey. From every beat, everything he did was calculated, specific. I'm going to give it to Joey Herrick as, as the most valuable lawyer in this episode. Yeah, well, it really comes down to your theory of the case in terms of Joey. And, you know, like, how much was he orchestrating and how much was he helped by Bobby? Or is was he really pulling the strings on the whole arc of the whole thing? So, uh... So I, I am under the opinion that everything, including the breakdown, including the slip of slip up, was all orchestrated by Joey. He strikes me as someone capable and willing and would enjoy the drama of it mm-hmm. to actually orchestrate that whole thing. So his, his breakdown was fake, which is, I think, the mistake made in the wonky camera angle beyond being cheesy. The wonky camera angle... Mm shows the the show's point of view is that he's cracking up but i'm not sure that's what the script says anyway that's a thing for the tires uh i agree with you joey herrick 100 is the mvl okay which brings us to the least suspenseful thing of all time Already famous because you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode I mean, can you say the word Toopsie? <laughs> well, actually, it's a, it's, it's going to be as Tripsy a thrupsy? Tripsy. 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 Yeah. Actually, well, considering he just got one for MVL, it could be a quadsy. Ooh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So, we'll, we'll save you the suspense. Our life is precious. Yep. Joey. <laughs> Joey. Mr. Larroquette. Uh, clearly, John Larroquette wins the oopsie for best guest actor. Which brings us to a kind of a, a more difficult choice. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Well, I can't remember which episode was in But there was an episode where we determined that this was You, were, you had to be in the main cast to be eligible for this award That's right, well, thus the distinction between best and best guest You know, you're a, you're a smarmy son of a bitch, Keith uh, <laughs> I have proven that. I said this it, episode. I have proven that. I have said it while we were watching it, and I still stand by it. I think that there was literally across the board great performances in this episode. Yeah, uh, especially you know there was a sneaky one by. Um, God damn it! I'm not helping you. God damn it! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! No, no, no! Take your time. Take your time. What the? F- oh, L- Lara Flynn Boyle. I thought that because <laughs> dark hair. Yeah, dark hair. Uh, Larflin Boyle as Helen Gamble had a lot of like levels to play. In fact, especially the level of I got you, you son of a bitch, but then being torn after that. Yeah. 
I thought that was she had a really kind of subtle great performance this week. But I think that uh, Cameron Mayhem, May, oh God, damn, Mannheim, Jesus Christ, Mike, what's wrong? I'm like it's like I had three strokes today. Okay, um, you know what? I was gonna let you get away with a, with one of them, but sorry. We should oh, know that. I don't know how to say words. I can't pronounce anything. I'm a pretty shitty guy. It's a better podcast, and I'm early by one verse. That would have been the best one yet. <laughs> oh God damn it! <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that uh, Cameron, as since we're buddies, since she's a friend of the show, uh, gets my who won her election. She oh c- congratulations! By the way. Congratulations! I was out Cameron. of the country. Well deserved. Um, she is uh, is my vote for best actor on the show this episode. Yeah, and I, I yeah I, I'm going to agree with you. Um, and I, I think Cameron does wow. get it for me as well. Uh, that said, I I was really impressed with a lot of the, the face acting that Dylan had to do. Mm-hmm. Not even just sort of like being goofy and reacting to Joey's hilarity, but there he has a, a lot of storytelling to do with just his face in reaction shots there's there's a couple of like oh shit and what the fuck and you know i've got like a lot of those little beats there are just cutaways to his face that he had a lot of work to do and he did a very good job but unfortunately you got killed by tears so mm, sorry sorry dylan you gotta cry more and you'll get some more oopsies uh, okay we have it is time for something momentous there's, guys is this gonna surprise me it is gonna surprise you well then wait we wait, okay then wait because okay. since it's x we're gonna do what they always do on reality tv before we get to this thing that i don't even know about we're gonna pause right here a word from our sponsor oh you forgot the commercial all right keith lay it on me okay we at long last have a new oopsie oh uh, my god i can't wait we have another oopsie which we will award every week and this week is our inaugural the tom brady award for being tom brady tom brady award for being tom brady oh my god uh who gets to award this do you get to award it or do we do a do we do we both vote well i we have to discuss the nominees okay Okay, first off is Tom Brady. Okay, Tom. Okay, all right. And that's the uh, the last nominee. All right, well, I think that uh, means that the inaugural award for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom, Tom Brady will go to, drumroll please, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh, congratulations, Tom Brady, for winning the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. And this has been... The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Okay. Well, congratulations, Tom. Stay tuned next week to see if you are in the running again. Wow, that was a close one. (laughs) All right. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Ah, we've already begun our discussion. Uh, we both we felt a little let down by the the B story, but I do feel like we've we un- we cracked the case a little bit, Gumshoe. We figured out what the tort was. We figured out that it does apply, and we figured out that this does set a good precedent. So, Al, 
we got to see Eleanor sort of return to an arc that she visited early uh, in the episodes. And we got to see her and Lindsay kind of reconcile a little bit. And we saw Lindsay, what we didn't kind of mention while we were watching it is when Eleanor was having her sort of her closing moment and she was talking about the, uh, the crap she's gone through. Lindsay yeah. was sort of sitting there really taking it all in and sort of having those internal epiphanies as only Lindsay can. Yeah, and good good face acting by Kelly Williams as well. Yeah, and so I think that that kind of shored up a little bit of what we thought was a bit of a weaker kind of... It, it was executed well, it just was a weaker subplot to what was a really meaty, juicy A story. Yeah, agree. Um, the A story, I think, was really cool because... As you could tell by we, as I was watching it in real time, you never and and this is what I think David was going for. You never really knew where it all stood. Was he right. was he doing well? Was he losing? Was Bobby gonna help him? Was Bobby gonna phone it in? Was it all an act? Was, was it all not? an actor? Right. Which I think not only made for great watching, great TV, especially if you were gonna add commercial breaks to that, which we don't really have to suffer through, but uh, it really a lot added a lot of suspense. And as I kind of pointed to it afterwards you're kind of happy to see him get off because i thought there was no way especially with the title which was a red herring you know checkmate all these things right right uh you thought oh man we're gonna lose john larroquette and now we don't we don't know if he comes back or when he'll come back but it's sort of that dangling thread that that will be out there for us uh at the end of the day being entertained is the bottom line and i thoroughly was i thought the writing that was for the most part great my questioning comes in with some of the direction like you mentioned some of the camera angles and and stuff was a little hack-eyed, but not too bad. Anyway, long story short, not the greatest, well above mediocre. I'm going to give it an 8.5 spare tires. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I the I was glad to re-watch it, um, you, know, start, you know, starting from the end and working backwards to watch the performances again to see if I could... St- see what uh what direction the show was was shading in terms of how on top of this joey was mm-hmm. and i think uh upon rewatching, i i feel like so there it felt like there was a conflict between david e kelly and adam nimoy and so it, it seemed like nimoy was was under the the idea that joey cracked mm. um but i don't think that David E. Kelly was saying that. I think David E. Kelly was saying that he was all fucking over it. Um, but I think that's what I liked about this episode, is that you as an audience member are left guessing, are left to actually make that choice. And, you know, is is Joey's breakdown honest, or is Joey Herrick a tremendous actor? And I don't think we know that yet. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, cut to the chase. I... I'm with you. 8.5. I actually, wow. first time we've agreed in like ever. Keith, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first completely unanimous oopsie segment we've ever done. You think? I well, think we'll have so. to check. I have records. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we've, I mean, all the way through. Yeah. yeah including yeah, yeah. the spare tires. Yeah. Well, we don't have to do math. The average is 8.5. And I recorded this all in one shot. So I'm, this has been a red letter day for us. It really, really is. Which brings us, finally, to the end of this episode of the Out of Practice Podcast. We're so glad you joined us, thanks to the uh, Facebook page on The Practice, and everyone who has joined the jury this episode. 
You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. You can also see our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Check us out, send us a tweet, email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. I got through all of it! <laughs> but you did it a little too quickly as we now have about six minutes left of outro. We're killing time. Killing time. All right. Oh, there's a yeah. whole other verse of it. Okay. <laughs> Is the what? There's a whole other verse. That's true. Yeah. Well, this, you know, our playoff is the entire theme song, which is already way too long for a podcast. Although it, it did, did get, get a shout a out and review. Yeah, it sure did. So we'll take it. Yeah. But, anyway. you know, if you were not interested in listening to large gouts of nonsense that went on for just about a minute too long, you wouldn't be listening at this point. You know, Keith, since we are soft-shelled liberals, I will say that I do believe in gun control. I do not think we should ever limit the amount of laser guns that should be legal because we need those laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20 bucks.